1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 17. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than doing for evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, today we are joined by everyone's favorite missions guru. Oh, wow. Billy the Baptist Bean. <laughs> B-Bap. B-Bap. <laughs> B-Bap. Let's go. B-Bap is in the studio and the ODR listeners rejoice <laughs> as they should, as do oh, I. Man. So, you know, we are we are continuing through First Peter. We're in chapter three and... Today we have this idea of defending the faith, which is kind of towards the end. But I think it's really easy to cherry pick. You know, I, I heard uh, uh, growing up that whole passage of always being prepared to make a defense. You know, I, I kind of heard that terminology a lot growing up. But I didn't hear the context as much, or at least I wasn't aware of the context around it. Mm-hmm. And so... I love this passage. I think that there's a lot of great stuff here and just a, a great portrait of the Christian life in the public sphere. Right. And the type of people that we should be, the type of character that we should embody. So, Billy the Baptist, please, please tell us what you think yeah. about this passage. Yeah. Well, I mean, we hear we hear that verse um, in particular. Um, you know, always being ready to give a hope for the reason that we have. And we jump straight to like apologetics, right? And people mm-hmm. are just ready to like engage in like Christian apologetics debate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we kind of get fired up about it, but you know, it's easy to gloss over sort of some of the contextual mm-hmm. importance of this passage. I mean, Peter's writing to a group of believers who are, um, who are in, in a context of opposition and, and persecution. And so, you know, this, this passage that we just read, it really begins with, you know, Peter exhorting the household of faith, exhorting the church to keep watch of how they conduct themselves, how they mm. relate to the outside world. Like as they relate to one another with humility and joy and just this healthy biblical community, um, they're going to relate to the outside world in a way that, you know, that that resembles Christ. And so um, I think really the apologetic doesn't begin with like this, this content-based defense of the faith. The apologetic mm. really begins with how these Christians are, are conducting themselves, how they're uh, exhibiting a Christian ethic in, in a world that, that has opposition to their faith. Absolutely. You know, uh, the opposition around like the, around Christian ideas is a lot more than it was 20 years ago. 
Um, and you can even see that in the way that, you know, I, I think maybe the clearest sort of demonstration of the quick change of social ideas uh, you can see in sort of politicians discussion of like gay marriage or subjects like that. Like the things that were believed to be fixed truths even 10 years ago, 20 mm. years ago, whatever has very rapidly changed. And I think one of the nerves that that has brought out in the evangelical community or Christian community, whatever you want to call it is sort of what I would call the Churchill complex. I probably mm. saw that from someone, but I think especially uh, with Christian men, we, we can have this tendency to become these like grumpy bulldog watchdog figures and ready to bark and bite back. Mm -hmm. And so I love how first Peter or how Peter here in first Peter three sort of approaches this idea of facing opposition. And he, he really starts at, you know, the mind having unity of mind, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Mm -hmm. And, and so it, it's very, very inward. And I love, he quotes Psalm 34, which is an amazing. amazing Psalm. And this section that he is, uh, he's pulled from, you know, the central thought that's not in this section is taste and see that the Lord is good. That's mm. kind of like one of the central ideas of Psalm 34. It's telling of the salvation of God and tasting and seeing that he is good. And then this is sort of like this response section in the Psalm, turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So seeking and pursuing peace. And I love this verse. Uh, this is verse 12 in first Peter three, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Mm. And I think that's an amazing truth to meditate on that as we pursue right conduct, as we pursue being righteous people, that the eyes of our father are on us, you know, yeah. that we're not, we're not just kind of out stabbing in the dark, but that God's eyes are on us, you know, his goodness and mercy are following us. And that's a very heart level, like identity level thing to let seek sink into our minds. And then, you know, moving forward, he begins to get into this sort of topic of opposition. Mm -hmm. And so verse 15, he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you, and this is super key for a reason for the hope that is in you. And so what should evoke these conversations where we are defending you know, the, the good news that's been entrusted to us, it should be the hope that people see in, you know, the life of Christians and in communities of Christians, you know, it, it shouldn't start at these very surface level moral differences, but there should just be a, a different level of radiance. There should be a different aroma uh, that comes from us living out of hope and not out of self-defense, not out of greed. And, that we should actually exhibit so much beauty mm. that people are inquisitive and, and mm -hmm. want to press and pry mm -hmm. with that. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it kind of goes back to, to what I, what I said about kind of the beginning of our apologetic um, mm. to a lost and dying world, the, 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 the beginning of the articulation of the reason for the hope that we have kind of begins with 
um, the Christian ethic, the, the yeah. value system that we, that we live by. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love what you said about how really it's like the, the omniscience of God, the all knowing reality of God. That's kind of the foundation for why we want to live mm-hmm. a Christian ethic, why we want to live with Christian values. It's because we have a holy and righteous and good God who exhibited these values in Christ perfectly. Mm-hmm. And because of that, um, that's why we want to live this way. And not only do we want to just live this way, we want to live this way in the face of opposition. You know, there's going to be varying degrees of suffering in the mm-hmm. Christian life, you know, depending on where you are in the world. Um, but there's, there is a, um, there's a sufficient reason why we should live with um, hope and joy and gentleness in the face of opposition. And so, um, you know, I kind of look at how, I kind of look at that as like the fuel for the actual content that we give as we give the reason for the hope. It's like, we're giving the reason for the hope because like you said, there's people that are curious about why we're living this way in the face mm-hmm. of opposition. And they want to know why we're living counter to what they would expect us to, how they would expect us to respond. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I love where he lands the plane is that basically the way, and, and he says to do it with gentleness and respect yeah, and with a good conscience. And so much so that, you know, by the way that we exhibit character that when basically opponents uh, of the faith and, and people just who are outright cynical, whenever they revile you, they should actually have so little evidence against your character mm-hmm. that onlookers should, you know, have no regard for their cynicism against, right. you know, the good news of Christ. And I think that that mm. kind of leads to this important thing. I had a, a great conversation with a friend the other day about evangelism and apologetics and this whole idea. And you know, he was saying, um, basically, uh, I'm really hesitant about it because I don't feel like it's my place to like discount other people's or discredit other people's experience. And, um, you know, basically devalidate their experience and blah, blah, blah. And um, which is coming from a a place of wanting to respect other people and, you know, not kind of come at them with this like hammer of truth and cut them down. And what we were talking about is that's really not pushing back on a Christian idea of sharing good news, but more on this cheap inversion of it that mm. we can see where it, it is like this harsh um without gentleness without respect approach where it's about proving to somebody that they are wrong and you are right and making them recognize it and it's kind of like that's the end goal and it's not actually seeing somebody else flourish in the love and care of god right and so i think the beauty that we can see here is that you can actually disagree with somebody and defend an idea to somebody while showing immense respect to them. Mm -hmm. And that's a very foreign idea to the world. Yes. You know, when you see, when you see like outright debates happening in the world, whether it's in a political or philosophical or theological arena, it's, it's harsh, it's demeaning. And really a lot of the times it's somebody who is not actually trying to win the person that they are talking to, but they're trying to win the onlookers mm-hmm. by making the other person look like such an idiot. And I think that sadly, like we as Christians can be tempted also towards that instinct. And what I love about what Peter is holding up here 
is that when we share, like defend the good news and share the good news with people, they should feel immensely respected. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And of course there's this tension, there's an offense in the cross and all this, but the way in which we approach people with the truth should always be with great respect and gentleness. And that should strike the world as very strange and mm -hmm. intriguing about the cross. Absolutely. I would even argue that, you know, in this passage in verse nine, you know, where we do this, we live this way. We do, we live with unity of mind, uh, brotherly love, a tender heart with humility. Mm -hmm. We live with God godly conduct. Um, so that we might obtain a blessing. Yeah. And I do think that when we live that way, uh, even in the face of opposition, even in the face of an enemy who doesn't like the message that we have, I do think generally speaking, it does alleviate some opposition mm -hmm. when we live with humility and gentleness and tact and how we evangelize, how we witness the faith. It does alleviate some opposition. We mm -hmm. are, we do become more attractive, more uh, approachable. Um, but it's not always guaranteed that it will alleviate opposition. And I think Peter touches on that in verse 14. You know, if, if it doesn't alleviate opposition, for verse 14, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you still will be blessed. Mm -hmm. So have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just think this is just a great, a great passage um, mm -hmm. that we have nothing to fear. Like we, we probably will face opposition, um, but we we have everything uh, in Christ that should give us the cause to live a godly in con a, a godly life. Amen. Yeah. And you know where do we see a better example of that except in Christ? Yeah. You know that uh, when He condescended and was walking among men. You know I think of the story of the woman at the well, and even just in how Christ uh, treated and trained His own disciples. We don't see this, you know, frustrated, disgruntled disappointed, defensive, combative person in Jesus, but someone who's very kind and, mm -hmm. and shows immense, even undeserved respect, um, you know, never sparing the truth, uh, you know, never cutting corners or right. making concessions, yeah. but constantly respect, respecting and honoring those who even the world would not count worthy of honor. Right. And so that's who we are taking after as we pursue others with love and dignity. Amen. Amen. Well, for Billy the Baptist Bean, this is Will Carlisle. And you better believe that tomorrow you're going to find us back here on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant. And Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.